Welcome to the FRC Digital Podcast. This podcast is part of the FRC Digital Network, put out by Fellowship Reformed Church in Hudsonville, Michigan. Just a reminder that with this episode, there will be a downloadable companion worksheet at frchudsonville.org under Resources. This episode is about competitive video gaming. Yes, you heard me right. Otherwise known as eSports. I have with me today Pastor Jacob Toman. Toman, is that correct? Yep, you said it right. Uh, he pastors not far from me, um, and we're thankful that he can actually join me here in, uh, in this recording. Uh, thanks for coming, Pastor Toman. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I'm originally from Michigan, have spent uh, the last uh, little bit over a decade serving in St. Louis, Missouri, and in the area and surrounding Southern Illinois. I've known the Lord my whole life and grew up in a Christian home, and I'm happy to be serving back home in the uh, great state of Michigan, once again, enjoying all that is up here. My children have no idea what Michigan snow is, and I'm excited for their reaction <laughs> now that we're back home. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as I've done with several episodes, I'm going to start just by asking the question. Uh, having grown up in church, um, what did you hear about the intersection of faith and sports? Or maybe to say it differently, did you have a teacher or pastor who would talk about the Bible and and how it could be applied to things like sports and, of course, um, video games and esports? Did you hear anything like that growing up? Yeah, I think just generically from the pulpit, as you're paying attention to illustrations and applications about how God has got a sovereign call over all of our life, I think you hear those things. And maybe as a kid, you don't necessarily apply them in the most sternest or strictest sense, but you do have almost a childlike faith of, okay, if God's in charge of everything, that means he's in charge of my Lego building, in charge of my tennis playing, in charge of my schooling and my friendships. So he's involved in all of these things and he desires his glory to be brought through in all of these things as we participate in them. So I think there's just kind of a generic overcap. And then as I continued to grow and as I took on more ownership of my own faith, uh, C.J. Mahaney's book, uh, Don't Waste Your Sports, I think that was pretty formative and helpful. It's a super small book. It's like the size of a coaster um, <laughs> to sit on. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting just for that alone in terms of book design. But that was really helpful as well just to think about, okay, what does it look like recreationally to engage with God's world uh, in, our, in our hobby time and in our hobby spaces? Sure, sure. Uh, well, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, our topic's a little different. So I, I've had conversations uh, over the course of recording with a, a number of, of, of people involved in different sports. And um, we're going to talk about esports. This probably has to be the most unique conversation I'm going to have. Um, so if someone doesn't know anything about this topic, how would you introduce it to them? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've done this in a lot of different formats and a lot of different questions and chatting with folks in ministry a lot of different ways. And the reality is, is I've got to figure out whatever my audience is at and what they're familiar with in terms of sports. So I'll use basketball, right? Michigan, we love to play basketball up here. And so when you think about competitive basketball, a traditional sport, you've got a team-oriented environment, a goal, an objective, and you've got competitors who are involved in a limited arena, right? In a limited spot or space. And so competitive games and competitive sports are very similar to that, whether you want to use tennis or even bowling or even a marathon, whatever that traditional sport that you're familiar with, just compare that and you can probably bring that into the esports world. Now, the goals are going to be different. The space is obviously going to be digital rather than uh, necessarily a physical face-to-face -face environment. But those things that change are also many of those things that don't change. They stay the same. We're still competing. We've still got sportsmanship. We've got culture. We've got language. We've got rules. 
all those things still apply in a competitive gaming environment. So if you think of a traditional sport, there's actually a lot of overlap with an eSport or a digital competitive environment. And then we just see exactly how the Lord wants to take that conversation and those skills and that time and that space and use it, again, all for the sake of his glory. Now, now I, I'm going to assume, uh, knowing the audience just a little bit, that um, there might be some who doubt that eSports is actually a sport. Um, so let me just kind of run down some information. First of all, ESPN, TBS, and Telemundo, of all places, have all aired video game competitions. I've seen those on TV. Um, the video game industry or the eSports industry is considered to be worth well over $1 billion dollars. Uh, people who own NFL and NBA teams have started uh, purchasing, controlling interest in esports teams and esports tournaments. And for the cherry on top, I am not making this up at all. Uh, there is some talk of adding uh, this as an Olympic sport. Um, so, so the trend really started in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and so I just asked, when did you step into this world? Yeah, so I became uh, what we might say a gamer as a part of my hobbies or as a part of my uh, expressed experience in my free time, you know, between children and seminary and work. Actually, in grad school, as the Lord called me to go to seminary and as my entire network of friends really spread out, that was when we used games as a way to stay connected. And so a lot of my friends group, we played uh, various online games in order to stay connected in multiple different spots throughout the world. As we all spread out kind of from Michigan and went to different places, how were we going to stay connected? How are we going to share about what we were going through? How are we going to uh, continue to encourage one another and, and really continue to build our relationships over time? And so the game actually becomes an environment for that. If, if there's a lot of people around here who play pickleball, I love to play pickleball, played a whole bunch of pickleball down in St. Louis. You know, it's a, this huge social event, right? Not only is there the game and the competitive space that you're in, but there's also those conversations that take place when you're not playing while you're sitting on the bleachers. And games have a lot of those analogous sorts of conversations and moments where you have downtime between competitive matches where you're sharing about life, where you're catching up, where there's a chance to get to know one another. And so for me, that was my acclimation really into this online competitive space was we're all together as a friends group. And now look, as each of us meets new people and invites them into the group, we actually continue to expand our friendship and relational network. And we get to know a whole bunch of people on the internet, sometimes for good, sometimes for ill, all while we're competing in these environments. And then virtually sitting on the bench together chatting. Sure, sure. Um, and you've kind of alluded to this already, but esports is, uh, is is different from traditional sports. Um, well, for example, um, a, a top esport athlete goes by the name Faker, obviously not his real name, um, talks about how in order to compete in esports, he has to practice 12 to 15 hours a day. Now, if, if we were younger, right, playing video games 12 to 15 hours a day, that sounds fantastic. Um, but then you start thinking about 12, 15 hours sitting in front of a screen. Um, and I'm not trying to take away the incredible hand-eye coordination problem or the, 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 the solving skills uh, that this takes. Um, but if you look at movies and even some cultural depictions of video gamers, they're typically overweight, mm -hmm. out of shape, you know, live in their mother's basement. Mm -hmm. um, now, there are some health concerns, I would assume, that come with this. And we typically think of like basketball players and soccer players being incredibly fit, and that's our image of an athlete. Um, so when it comes to esports, one of the things I wanted to address is, okay, um, is there something to be concerned about as far as health when it comes for, to a believer? Yeah, absolutely. So 
with any sort of Olympic level of athletic competition, we're asking individuals to push themselves to their limits, to find a new limit, and then to keep pushing again, right? So whether that's ping pong, whether that's swimming, whether that's basketball, or whether that's League of Legends or Rocket League or World of Warcraft, if somebody is looking to push themselves to the furthest extent, what does that actually look like? And how do we differentiate spiritually from whether or not that's something that we are doing to the glory of God, or we've actually exchanged the knowledge of the creator in exchange for the creation, and we're actually worshiping what's created for, in in essence, really making an idol out of the thing that we ought to be using to glorify God with. So there's a lot of concerns there spiritually, and those then also play into physical concerns as well. I can remember over the last decade or so, that's uh, when CTE has really come up as a point of conversation for American football, right? Or repeated, again, head trauma in conversations about youth soccer programs. There's now, of course, lots of rules and regulations about what age kids are allowed to actually start heading the ball as young people playing soccer, because we know from the data this can and does do damage to you in excess, right? So we right. want to avoid that. So how do we continue to use our, our bodies for God's glory in a way that's honoring to him without, again, embracing uh, something that's going to be damaging. It's really, really tough in esports. And for, for us, at least, when we were heavily involved in ministry through using different digital means, the big thing that we found was that it's very, very difficult um, to diagnose at this point in time folks who are struggling with an addiction because particularly here in the United States, for a long time in the official medical books, there was not... Um, a diagnosis that was defined. That has since changed since I have gotten out of that um, ministry since 2018. Things have changed. But for a long time, I think it's called the DSM uh, for psychology, there was no diagnosis that was available from 2013 to 2018. And so we would see folks who were struggling with all of these symptoms of what you would look at and say, you're suffering from an addiction or you're suffering from carpal tunnel as something as silly as that with your wrist. Um, to something as serious as, uh, again, life-crippling addiction or even life-crippling physical ailments uh, such as sleep deprivation, such as anxiety, such as um, compromised relationships inside your home. All of these things can take place, again, when the creation has exchanged its place with the creator, right? When right. when something that is not worthy of worship has become an object or, or become worship for us. And so there's something very, very um, concerning. It's something that we need to be aware of at the same time. What did I do last night over at Ada Park? I had my kids, and we were all outside playing basketball. And then we were done playing basketball, we were playing tag. And the night before, my daughter was involved in soccer. And so we're aware of all of these things, right? We're aware of the health concerns. We take precautions for it. But it doesn't mean that the whole thing is to be thrown out. It's not a baby in bathwater sort of scenario. Sure. And what I, one of the things I love about what you just said is uh, acknowledging... So for those who might not know the terminology, the DSM is kind of like the, the Bible for psychology. Um, and you just pointed out something very interesting. So the DSM-5 is probably the most recent volume. And the fact that they're just now identifying that with video games just kind of speaks to just how new this is. Um, we Before we started recording, we talked a little bit about how, you know, uh, gaming consoles uh, probably until the late 70s were really limited to arcades. Then they started kind of making it home, and that's when the conversation about addiction really started. Um, but then what I want our listeners to understand is, 
you kind of seamlessly took, hey, this is really new. It's not just new culturally. This is new as far as identifying things. And yet we can still have the confidence to come to Scripture and say, this can speak to this. Um, and I think that's one of the things that uh, we struggle with perhaps as, as the church to go, well, this is really new. Um, not something maybe easily identified in Scripture, but you, you uh, I appreciate that because you so brilliantly just said, look, this is so new that even the experts have just now started um, uh, recognizing certain things. And it's like, but we can still bring Scripture to this and bring the principles of Scripture to this. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's timeless truths, right? That's God's Word. God's Word is divinely revealed, inspired for us, for our benefit. There's nothing in there that we can look at and go, oh, this is old news and it never matters ever again. There's nothing from Genesis to Revelation that we can look at and go, well, I'll never need that again. No, this is this is all for us. And so what does that look like in a very new and emerging scenario? It's, it's fascinating because we'll talk more about this hopefully later, but the opportunity for us Right. is actually as a church to go, well, we've been serving and working with people who are addicted and have broken marriages and who have got all sorts of problems and physical ailments. We're actually really good at serving those people. And we're really good at loving one another in the midst of those things. And then we're really good at walking with people through those things as they begin to experience this is what a redeemed life for Christ Jesus actually looks like in the midst of all of the struggles that I've got. Whoa, that's completely new to the whole world. And, and so the world's looking in, the unbelievers world's looking in going, oh, there might actually be something right here. And so this is an opportunity even for Christian, for Christian witness about how we interact and how we receive and then how we respond to even new and emerging digital technologies like esports and hobby atmospheres and virtual realities. Sure. Well, I, I, I'll have another, I have another episode uh, on church history in sports. And you know, what immediately pops in my mind is one of the things we can say about the American church um, which is obviously no more than 250 years old, um, is that we can look at our history and say we, we've not reacted well uh, many, many times to, to new and changing scenery. Um, in that, in fact, most of our response has been very reactive um, in, in being very negative and seeing these new things are terrible because basically because they're new. Um, and we want to instill the confidence, say, your Bible can speak to this new thing. Otherwise, if that's not the case, as we see other trends going on in our culture, we would have to say, well, can't speak on that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I think a lot of Christians perhaps struggle with recognizing, oh, my Bible can speak to this new thing or to this thing uh, that is new to us as a culture. Um, but Yes and amen. Uh, so I... I shared with you, I've always loved video games. I have a small retro collection at home, some some newer stuff. Um, well, I can remember growing up that uh, video games were something parents were supposed to be concerned about. Um, I, I remember in the past and, and, and just recently, video games kind of getting blamed for social problems, um, leaving a lot of Christians confused. So um, I wanted to kind of address James 4.4, the Bible warns against friendship with the world. And that's probably the biggest argument uh, against video games that I've heard. Well, it's very worldly. Um, and maybe this is not a fair comparison, you can tell me, but do you think video games and, and video game competitions are more worldly than American football? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the, the short answer is not, not in the strictest comparative sense, right? 
in the strictest comparative sense, there are actions, there are certain things that we should not do, right? There's no way to redeemingly murder someone, right? right. Let's go to the Ten Commandments. There's just no way, right? You right. cannot redeemingly murder someone. If you murder someone, the Lord does not look on this and smile, right? right. We can just say that absolutely. At the same time, we can say that there are redeeming ways that we protect and that we serve, right? We could say that there are those who preserve life. Thou shalt not murder is not just a prohibitive command, but it's also a command that reveals something about what God cares about and his character and how he loves and supports life, right? So in the same way, we can look at some things that are maybe very, very worldly and maybe very, very concerning to us and go, okay, that thing is a very poor expression of something that is not godly, but maybe there is an expression of this that would be godly. So for instance, we could say the internet is used for all sorts of horrible things today, for the transmission of all sorts of terrible information and terrible videos and terrible things. And yet at the same time, praise God every single Sunday, right? What's going out? The word of the Lord from our congregants. And that's going out to people who can hear and see and participate and hear the word of God. We can use all sorts of different mechanisms and technologies that are available to us for godly purposes. I bet we're pretty thankful whenever one of our congregants or our friends or our family members, when they're at a hospital and they need data about their particular situation, and maybe they're not responsive. And so they're not able to say, this is what's happened or this is what's going on. Because of the transfer of digital data about other scenarios like what they're going through, a doctor can actually quickly diagnose, oh, it looks like you were in this style of car wreck and this is what's happening to your body because we've got quick access to digital data that shows us what this is going to look like. Now, was there anything evil about those digital bytes when they were used for the person in the hospital scenario versus the digital bytes that were used maybe on the internet for the spread of pornography? There's nothing necessarily evil about the technology, but how that technology is being used, boy, that says a lot about where our hearts are at and what the purpose is for those technologies that are being used. Is it being done for the glory of God to save life, or is it being done to spread destruction, to spread evil, and bring people down to the pit, right? So we've got a clear delineation there between those two things. So let's get real practical. There's a lot of video games that involve different violent components and violent elements. I just like to encourage parents and grandparents as they're concerned about those things to have conversations with their youth about that, if it is the youth that are playing the games, because oftentimes, Tim, I'm interacting with folks, and it's not just youth who are playing these games. You and I are playing these games as well, people who are 40 and above play video games. So have a conversation about it. Is there something that's genuinely violating your conscience? There's lots of issues in scripture that the New Testament and the Old Testament speaks to about our conscience and about how the spirit works in and through our conscience. And so that's something to be valued. So we can't come down with an absolute, this is evil over here. That's not evil over here. There are times where we can be absolute, but not about everything. So have a conversation. Then the second thing is, is when we're evaluating, let's say American football and esports. There's actually a lot of things that are similar. When you look at the way how competitive online video gaming are really shaping and modeling their experiences, they're modeling it after traditional sports. So when people gathered together for an esports event back in 2014 was really when there was this massive worldwide event that was held for one particular esport competitive event. And the big thing that was being promoted was the number of people in the arena. And the thing that it was being compared to, again, marketed from non-Christian sources, these are businesses that are trying to express themselves and hit a bottom line number, the comparative point was, this is how many people are watching the World Cup, or this is how many people are watching the FIFA UEFA tournament, or these are the number of people watching a NASCAR race. 
and then comparing these are the people watching a League of Legends live event or a Rocket League event or a Hearthstone competition. That's the point of comparison. And so the world is looking at these things and saying, in some sense, these are worldly things. These are things that can be evaluated from a worldly perspective. And so our job as Christians is not necessarily to look at those things and say, again, one of these is murder and the other one is not, but rather to say, how are we supposed to be involved as Christians that are a part of this world and use these things for the glory of God, because God's actually called us to be a part of these different areas, that all of our lives are for his glory. Right. And I think you you hit on uh, a very relevant point, and that is the human heart can pervert anything. Um, you know, we, uh, we take so much of what is good um, and, and pervert it. Um, you know, and, and that biblical principle uh, can be taken to anything. Uh, I wanted to mention to you, so Harvard... Uh, that would be the school, uh, put out a study on eSports, called it the Wild West of sports. So the, the study showing is there's a strong correlation between video game addiction and porn addiction or issues with isolation. Uh, and so there, uh, there isn't perhaps the uh, morally charged pressure that is put on normal professional athletes. We do expect as a culture our professional athletes to act a certain way. Uh, to have a particular moral center and, and why we're outraged uh, when, when a, a particular sports figure might act a certain way. I think of, for example, um, you know, uh, Armstrong and, his, and his, his cheating. Yeah. You know, yeah. that became a, a big, big it was a deal. a huge deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, but in the video game world, as Harvard was pointing out, um, that really is just not present. There, there isn't that, that cultural pressure. Uh, and so it does create this Wild West. Um, so if you're a parent listening right now and your child's really into competitive sport, e-sports, um, what guardrails would you suggest to that parent uh, to, to put it up in their heart, the guardrails to put up in the heart um, and do it with all diligence, as it says in Proverbs 4.23? Yeah, that's a great question. I think this is something that each generation has to deal with, right? So earlier we said sometimes how American Christianity maybe has responded to things and maybe hasn't responded so well. So this is a chance for us to be proactive. I think we're right now, we're kind of at almost the tail end of the sweet spot of the Wild West nature of esports. We're, we're getting to a, a time and a spot where folks are now getting hired into the workforce and are starting families and are getting married and are moving across the world and are becoming a part of, of business leadership and church leadership. And they went to school and they actually had a partial scholarship for esports. Because esports has now become a part of our academic environment and actually a draw for students to come to, especially some of these smaller schools that were looking to try and branch out and really compete with larger schools and they couldn't on a traditional sports level in terms of drawing students, what does it look like to actually draw students? So a lot of smaller schools turn to esports. And so as we're thinking as parents and as grandparents, okay, how do we put up guardrails around this? Looking back at maybe some examples that we would say were not so great in the American culture, I would just ask how many of us on a Sunday morning are sitting on the men's only section of the Sunday morning service, right? right. We don't do that on a Sunday morning. We sit mixed, right? Men and women sit mixed. It was not always so here in the United States. In fact, in some situations, that would have been seen as incredibly liberal, progressive, use whatever word you'd like to use to try and denigrate that practice, right? 
that would have been seen as a, a not moral thing. But now we're looking at things and going, okay, it's, it's, it's actually okay if Tim and Jacob sit next to our wives together on a Sunday. In fact, it's actually kind of not a good thing if we're not sitting together. We would desire to sit with our wives, and that's actually a, a godly example of what it looks like to be a family unit coming together in worship. Okay, so how does that apply now for video games? Well, we saw in the 80s and the 90s at first just a mass acceptance right? A video games are a toy. Set your child in front of the toy. It's great. Now you've got a moment's peace, right? Then as you alluded to, then through the 90s and through the early 2000s, all of a sudden, video games became this scapegoat, right? Anything that was socially um, potentially negative was then some way tied back into video games. And so now we're experiencing a generation, again, that's entering the workforce or entering the leadership side of their lives that has gone through, and video games have been a massively formative part of their experience. And so if the church isn't proactive in speaking about guardrails and proactively speaking about guardrails that actually speak to the hard issues of video games, then these folks have already experienced these tangible heart issues and they're simply going to recognize when the church has no idea what it's talking about right. and is instituting something that totally is irrelevant right. or... Again, something that is very relevant, very helpful, very much something that is tied into the never-ending truth, the ongoing revelation, the work of God in our lives through his timeless truths in Scripture. That's, that's something that folks who have been involved in esports and have seen it, they will be able to tell lickety-split whether or not something is realistic and helpful against loneliness, against addiction, against relational issues that come up. Or if this is just going to be a needless guardrail that is essentially dropping an axe onto a foot that's been stubbed. Well, now we need to amputate the foot. That's overreaching. Let's not do that. Let's find a Band-Aid and then work from there. So there's times where we need to perform amputation, but there's also times where we need a Band-Aid. And so the church, in whatever way this long-winded answer is coming to a close, the church actually needs pastors and elders and deacons and lay people and small group leaders and moms and dads to be thinking about these things and to be praying on these things and to be involved in these things. And it also needs young people to be playing these games and giving feedback and involved in conversations and sharing, this is what's going on here in my heart. This is how I think the Lord is calling me and is using me. Sure. And is actually allowing me to glorify him through this. I've got a buddy in seminary who played ping pong and he was offered a spot to play for his team's national team on the Olympic team in ping pong. Or, or... He could remain faithful to his conviction and worship on the Sabbath on, on one day a week. But for the national team for ping pong, it was seven days a week. It, it was either or. Now, he chose to give up that opportunity, not because he didn't want to practice the other seven days or the other six days of the week, but because that was imposed on him. And so I think that's actually a wonderful worldly example of sometimes how the world demands things of us that are not reasonable, that really do bump into our faith. And video games do do that from time to time. There are times in video games where our faith really is rubbed up against or pushed back on or simply denied. And so again, we as Christians need to be able to confront those issues, stand firm on the truth of God's word and proclaim the resurrection in a loud, but also in a winsome way, in a humble way, even in digital environments and in digital spaces where it's super easy just to throw mud at the person on the other side of the keyboard. Right, right. Well, um, you know, as you were talking, you know, the, the image I have in my head is, I think, uh, a couple of years ago, um, uh, there was a Senate panel that asked Mark Zuckerberg and I believe it was Jack Dorsey, uh, these guys uh, who are have been leaders in, in you know, technology and, and um, uh, in, in this world. And I, I can remember, I can even feel the emotion of the, the cringe 
that when you had, and, and not trying to disparage their age, but you had 75, 80-year-old senators asking nonsense questions about this technology and just revealing that here's a person who's going to be making a law about this technology who clearly has no idea what is what this is and, and what this is about and how it works. And I think one of the things you, you were saying there is, is, is the church, we don't want to be caught there. And so for anybody who might be a little bit on the older side who perhaps didn't grow up with video games and immediately goes, well, this... This is not something I want to deal with or something I want to, to talk about. I think you make a really good case there. It's like, no, honestly, if, if you're going to lead our children's group, if you're going to help in youth group, if you're going to, even in these early 20s now, uh, these kids coming out of college and, like you said, beginning to take up some form of leadership, if you really mentor them, maybe you don't have to go out and play The Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm. but you should at least be knowledgeable enough to to what they faced or what they've experienced so that you can speak into it in, in some way. Um, Which loneliness is a pretty universal human thing. That's a timeless, ageless thing. Struggling with the desires of our hearts and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. That's not a new thing, right? right? The Old Testament and the New Testament both speak to these things. So again, this is where God's word opens up and just says, I've got answers for things that the culture doesn't have an answer for, that the DSM doesn't have an answer for. And so we in the church, we've got an opportunity to speak life and to point people to life, the way, the truth, and the life when the rest of culture is floundering. So there's tremendous even evangelism and mentorship and discipleship opportunities right there. Right, right. Um, In Genesis, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that we're made in the image of God. And then Genesis 3 comes around and sin has marred that image. But we also, as we read through Scripture, find that we can't help but express it. Um, so where do you see the image of God expressed in video games? And what I'm, you know, what I'm looking for is, do you see, you know, we can see the image of God in artwork. God is very creative. Obviously, God makes beautiful things. You just got to look out your window and see that. Um, do you see it in the artwork? Do you see it maybe in the storytelling? Where would you see the image of God coming and expressed in video games? Yeah, I would say in, in all of those facets, right? So whenever there's a game that's released or even that's just being worked on, there's somebody behind that. There's somebody who's working on that. And so not to go too deep down an apologetic trail, but if you remember the whole apologetic trail, well, who made the tree? Well, the tree came from another tree. Okay, and who was there to make that tree, right? You follow that apologetic trail, you get to the undeniable reality of a creator. And so we're actually seeing, in terms of apologetics, we're seeing the Imago Day right here in that unbelievers who interact in a gaming space have to recognize, and they do recognize, that everything comes from somewhere. It has to. So we don't see the same, at least I didn't, in in my small slice of evangelism that we were involved in from 13 to 18. We didn't see atheists coming with the same arguments that they came with in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They came with maybe a more apathetic rejection um, that was more emotionally based and simply more willing to say this is emotionally based or that was ideologically based on other creation narratives and other creation stories. Um, So we see something of the Imago Dei there, that they cannot, we as human beings, 
cannot deny that we are made in someone else's image. There is a creator behind the game. There's a creator behind even the server that's hosting your game right now. For those of you who don't play games, that's like the court, right? The court that you're playing on. Somebody built that. Somebody put that together. So we see that. We see that in the artistry that's on display. We see it in the storytelling. Narratives. We could do a whole discussion on narratives in games at some point. Um, But that's for, you know, future seasons that go really well with this podcast in the future. But discussing narratives and just how important and key narratives are in stories. I think most of the games that really get their hooks into people are because they create a narrative treadmill that the player has to then continually run through, hoping that they're going to reach the next part of the story. And that's where players get caught in a treadmill, in a loop. So there's a Mago Day in the story. There's a Mago Day in the art. There's a Mago Day in the creator behind it. And then in a competitive environment, uh, there really is the Imago Day in the person that you're playing against. And that right. is a massive part of esports that oftentimes goes neglected. You mentioned that there's players coming and playing from all around. It's the Wild West of, of sports. And because oftentimes esports get started in an online environment, and it's not until the, the highest echelons of competition that you're actually meeting face-to-face, these are mostly international players who are playing against each other. So you might be playing a game uh, with somebody not just in a completely different time zone. I'm not talking East Coast, Central, and Pacific. I'm talking you're Central and they're Beijing time. Right. Or you're playing with a buddy who's stationed in, in Afghanistan or Kuwait or Iraq. Okay. Or you've got a friend who has taken a job in Germany and so you're playing on German time now. That's not an unheard of thing. It's actually a very common thing to play on multiple different servers across all of these spaces. And so you see the Imago Day coming out in this, that every time you sit down behind a screen, as soon as you hit enter to start typing to somebody, that's another image bearer of God that you're typing to. Right. And that completely reorients how you interact with somebody. Because we know through the human communication studies that are out and available, text communication is oftentimes read in a more negative environment in a Western world presently in our present cultural moment. When we're reading something rather than hearing it, we typically read those texts in a more negative light than we do in a positive light. Maybe we can think of some of the texts that we've gotten recently in communication sometimes can become miscommunications because we read it in a more negative light. And so remembering that, that when you open up that chat box or you open up your voice mic, This is another human being who potentially is your brother and sister in Christ or who might become your brother and sister in Christ. Right. Either way, they're made in God's image. Right. And now you're speaking with them and you are representing Christ to them in a digital environment. Oh, what's that going to look like? How does that take shape? So Imago Day is all over. Right. And, you know, you mentioned something there that I don't think I'd really given a lot of thought to. Um, So uh, I don't know about you. I have a little bit of crossover. Uh, I grew up reading comic books. Um, and so one of the things you know about both video, the, the video game culture and the comic book culture is there can be these f- fan groups over particular creators. Um, in video game, guys who are really hardcore into video games, they have creators that they follow, particular people who, who make these stories. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but of course the guy who invented Mario. Yep. Um, you know, I wish I could think of his name right now, but the, the fact is, is he has a following because he created one of the most epic storylines in in all of a video game. And and there's really not a lot of difference between what he did and perhaps Steinbeck's Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. And so you look at it like following your favorite author, right? right? It's the same thing. Right. And so, you know, we can see in art, maybe... Maybe some of us are more used to understanding the, the, the glory in artwork or, or in a novel or maybe even in a movie. 
Um, but really, if you think about it, these guys who are creating these games, all of those genres find their way into to making video games. And they do, uh, no pun intended, kind of have a cult following. It's like, like, I'm really big fan of this guy's artwork, or I'm really big fan of this guy's um, uh, storytelling. In, in, in I love the, the apologetic there of saying, you know what, in the video game world, because of that, there isn't a denial that there is a creation here. And you don't really have to argue that point. Um, and you brought up, I think Barna even did a survey a few years back saying that most people who claim to be atheists uh, make that claim on the basis of something that's happened to them or a basis of, of a feeling they have. There's really no apologetic to it. Um, and I think um, a culture or, or a generation that's grown up in this video game world, um, I, I don't think really that the question of whether whether or not there's a creation out there, the question is whether or not uh, I want to believe in God based upon my personal feelings or, or experiences. Um, yeah, the question that so often came up from us that was not expressed as such, but to put it into theological words, is God actually worthy? He's out there, but is he actually worthy? Or is the game that I'm spending my time on, is that actually worthy of my life? Which of these two things is more worth my life? My own enjoyment and my own perspective on that or what God's got to say about what's best. Right, right. I want to move on to the topic of platforms and opportunity. Um, so I get the sense that Christians are somewhat absent from the world of esports. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, I think in some degrees, um, I think institutionally things are catching up. So as I mentioned earlier, there are some smaller colleges that have picked up on offering academic scholarships for esports, and even some Christian colleges have done that as well. So that's been really fun to look and to see and to watch as, as programs get started and as there's competitions that are off the ground and as these conversations that we're having or that we're encouraging others to have are being had in academic environments with you know, academic counselors alongside coaches, alongside um, managers to plan things out alongside student athletes who are then competing in these sorts of environments. So I think there's opportunity there institutionally. I think there's opportunity within inside the church. We're, we're talking about something beyond what so often happens. This happened all the time for me, basically up until 2017, was if you talked with a church about esports or video games, the response was, okay, great. Can we have you come out and run our, our, our next youth group lock-in? Do you want to be in charge of the video game station at our next <laughs> lock-in in the gym, right. right? Can you monitor that for us? And what we were always trying to do was to encourage churches, yes, do that. Have your lock-in. That's great. Make sure it's well-supervised, well-chaperoned, right? Okay. Have a wonderful, God-glorifying lock-in. But we want to be thinking about sending Christians into the game development environment. What does it look like for a Christian to get creative if they're writing fiction? What does it look like for a Christian to participate as an actor? What does it look like then also naturally subsequently for a Christian to develop a game? What does that look like? And so there's a whole network of Christian game developers um, that's out there. I've had a chance to meet many of them, and that's a wonderful thing. They've actually got an annual conference that I got to go to uh, several years ago, about a decade ago. And so there's several folks out there who are already believers, who the Lord has called into this space, this hobby subculture, and have said, okay, how will you use my gifts for me? How will you build um, something that is God-honoring in this way. So game design, but also then game enjoyment, right? What does it look like to cross the line between enjoying the football game versus making it an idol as a spectator, 
Right. There's a line, right? We've right. seen that line. We've probably been that line a couple of times, but there's a line there. What does that look like in our hearts as we, again, exchange the creator for the created? What does that actually look like? So there's lots of opportunities. There's opportunities in terms of different gaming conventions. Uh, Grand Rapids has got a board gaming convention that's here in town. Game Con 9, right? Game Con. Yep. And so gaming conventions are a wonderful time to just go sit down, play a board game, like you have somebody there that you get to get to know and you get to share for an hour or half an hour, whatever the length of the game is. What a wonderful opportunity to meet people. So anyway, so there's evangelistic opportunities. There's apologetic opportunities. There's career opportunities, both in the creation and production and maintenance of games. And then when you extend out even from there and you go into the church, okay, what recently happened that was like a culture-changing, shifting thing? Oh, that's right. The whole church adopted, hey, we ought to be online, right? You cannot imagine how difficult, or maybe you can, Tim, how difficult those conversations were 2013 to 2018, talking with churches and different ministries and saying, you know, you really should be on YouTube. You know, you really should get a streaming service for your local church. Now, nah, we won't ever need that. Well, my phone was going off the hook in 2020 with people saying during March going, hey, how do we get our church online? You know, you presented at our church a couple years ago. How do we get our church online? (laughs) And I'm going, I'm outside of that world now, guys. I'm a couple years past it, but I can refer you to people who can help you and get up and online. But really, the church has come roaring into the digital age a lot of, in a lot of ways, thanks or no thanks to COVID, right? There were good right. things and bad things that came out of that. We've seen that in our own families and ministries. So there's tons of opportunities here. How are we going to raise up and train and talk to a whole generation of people who are experiencing gaming now, whether they themselves are playing or their friends are? And how will we raise and train them to be disciple makers, to be fishers of men? Jesus has called us to be fishers of men. So what will that look like for them in a digital environment where their friendship network isn't just in and around one local geographic area, but that's spread out in 15 countries across the globe. That's, right. You don't talk about opportunity to be proactive. That's opportunity. Right, right. Um, so I, I'm going to guess, um, just because of the, the where we live and um, uh, the age we are, um, that I'm going to guess a lot of my, my listeners probably have little to, to no knowledge or experience with esports. And so... If you had a final word to say to them, if if it if there was just like okay, I, I got to say this one thing about the subject of esports and their faith, what would be the thing you would say to them? Yeah, I would just encourage them go take a look at the book of Acts. Look at Acts and the Apostle Paul in Athens. The Apostle Paul goes in the marketplace. He interacts. He's there in the place where ideas are being exchanged, and he goes up to the idol that's offered to the unknown god, and he starts telling them about the resurrection. He doesn't start demanding a whole bunch of cultural changes in the environment that he's in. He doesn't point out all the errors that they've got in selling all of these different idols, although that is unbiblical, right? And the Apostle Paul does point it out. But his primary thing is, guess what? The good news has come to the Gentiles. And he actually uses an aspect of their culture to help point them to who Jesus is and to why he matters. So I encourage you, as you're thinking about video gaming, whether it's yourself or others around you, we need to be thinking together as Christians about who Jesus is and why he matters for those who play games. I want to thank Pastor Jacob Tillman for coming on for the conversation. For those of you who are enrolled in FRC Digital, let me encourage you to mark in your schedule when there will be an in-person gathering. Also, make sure that you download the worksheet and join us for worship on Sunday. I'm Pastor Tim Leisinger. This is the FRC Digital Network.